There's always more to do. There's always good things to do. And in doing those good things and those more things, then we miss the chance for us to stop and consider what it means for us to receive rest. Welcome to the Jesus Storybook Bible Podcast, a place where we remind you that grace can rewrite any story, that hope shines a light through our darkest moments, and that God's love changes lives. Here's your host, New York Times bestselling author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Hello, I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones, author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells the story of God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Welcome to the show. Today we're talking about rest and Sabbath. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel wrote this about the Sabbath. The world has our hands, but our soul and heart belong to someone else. Six days a week, we seek to dominate the world. On the seventh day, we try to dominate the self. Anita Damon said, The Sabbath is a weekly cathedral raised up in my dining room, in my family, in my heart. And Wendell Berry says, Sabbath observance invites us to stop. It invites us to rest. It asks us to notice that while we rest, the world continues without our help. And then this from Wayne Henry Muller. Sabbath requires surrender. If we only stop when we are finished with all our work, we will never stop because our work is never completely done. And Jesus himself said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So, is anyone burnt out today, or depleted, or weary, or worn out, or looking for rest? Then this is the episode for you. Our guest today offers insight into how to rest, and gives us three practices for spiritual sustenance and renewal. It's a beautiful invitation to refresh our hearts and our souls. A stop work order. To stop work because work will never be done. Our humble and gentle guide is Curtis Zachary, a sought after speaker and author who pastors one of the nation's fastest growing churches, Church of the City in Franklin, Tennessee. He's the author of Soul Rest, Reclaim Your Life, Return to Sabbath. And he is best known for his deep empathy and contagious passion for the good news of the gospel that the gospel is not about what we must do so God will love us, but about what God has done to come to be close to us because he loves us. Curtis encourages us to go deeper than simply attending church or volunteering, to intentionally make ourselves vulnerable to each other and to God. And you'll also hear his beautiful and moving testimony of how, when he was walking through a very difficult season, God used the Jesus Storybook Bible to open his eyes to see who Jesus was for him in his situation. Curtis's words are so generous and beautiful and I'm so grateful. And that God is reaching pastors and grown-ups with a children's book. I love hearing that. I love that. I can't wait for you to experience the balm and the rest from the wisdom Curtis shares with us. So without further ado, please welcome my friend and now yours, Curtis Zachary. 
My name is Curtis Zachary. I'm a pastor and an author, and I live in Franklin, Tennessee. I've given my life to serving people who are in spiritually depleted situations. I've started an organization called Find Rest, and the hope is to walk alongside people who are experiencing difficult seasons and want to find a hopefulness in the way forward. There's a quote from a man named Soren Kierkegaard, and he said, it is absolutely unethical when one becomes so busy communicating that he forgets to be what he teaches. And I think for me, it brought an awareness of how it is possible for us to, even with good intentions, seek to advance the ideas that are focused on Jesus and the kingdom of God, and yet at the same time, not be experiencing uh the richness of connectedness ourselves. There was a season of time where I recognized in my own life that even though I was doing a lot of good work for God and I had started to experience a fatigue that wasn't right at the surface or couldn't be remedied with some sort of getaway or even a nap, but it was a tiredness that was sort of bone deep. And I was really curious on what that was and how to fix it. And what I realized is that I was doing that good work for God, but I wasn't doing that work with God. And so therefore, my strength and my sustenance came solely as a result of my own willpower and my own willingness. That is not enough to have what is required to be able to sustain. And so what we like to do is invite people into the permission to acknowledge the condition of our reality and even the condition of our soul so that we might be able to be honest and bring before God the things that we need restoration and healing and wholeness in our own lives. I think burnout occurs in our lives when our identity and our value are interwoven with what we do. And it's not always about productivity or building businesses or advancing ideas. I think even in being a mom or being someone who is a teacher or what might on the surface seem like a very simple way of living, it's still possible for us to put so much of an onus on what comes from our lives and therefore the ups and downs and the swings of emotion and anxiety, stress are wide and sweeping. I think the other thing that contributes to burnout for us is we tell ourselves a lie that it is either failure or laziness for us to rest. And so those two misunderstandings of what the true purpose of rest is lead to us never really taking time for ourselves. So I don't think people want to burn out. I don't think people want to find themselves in a place where they're disillusioned or frustrated But I think it ends up happening inadvertently when we don't pay attention to the rhythms in our lives that require maintenance and engagement. I'm a super relational person. And so I spend a lot of time around people. And I think even during the season of time where I experienced my own confrontation with burnout, I would say that I had people around me. But what I feel like was the secret sauce, if you will, to moving forward 
with community was recognizing it wasn't enough to just have people around me. There needed to be a permission for those people to have access into the parts of my heart that would allow me to be able to be vulnerable, to be able to have someone encourage and challenge me with just the permission to be able to speak candidly and for me to be able to reciprocate in kind. And so I think just proximity to people can feel like it's enough at times, but it's important for us to be able to give people permission to be a part of what it looks like moving forward. And then when we have these aspirational hopes toward solidity and wholeness in our spiritual rhythms, people being invited into, for lack of a better word, accountability that we would hold to those things becomes invaluable. Well, it's really important for me whenever talking about practices that I always preface with three words that I think are vitally important when we engage the conversation. The first word is we need to be intentional. I think sometimes, even as people of faith who seek to follow the way of Jesus, we assume that somewhere along the path, we're going to find what we need for spiritual sustenance. And if we're around church, or if we go to a Bible study, or we hang out with people who talk about God a lot, we think that we'll just stumble upon something that will fill our souls. But we actually need to be intentional to set time aside, because as we all know, there's always more to do. There's always good things to do. And in doing those good things and those more things, then we miss the chance for us to stop and consider what it means for us to receive rest. So intentional is the first thing we need to show up to it, uh, open our hands and be ready to receive from God what only he can give. The second word I think is important is substantial. And a lot of us are able to make commitments and we establish routines that we know are important to do, like read your Bible every day or make prayer time. But the substantial element of it is moving beyond just the action of it or the practice of it and saying, when I do this, I believe that I can meet with God there. And I think that that's a huge game changer simply because many of us would say, well, yeah, I'm, in, I'm intentional. I, I do things so that I can spend time with God. But the only thing that we can really say as a result of doing it is, well, I did it. But can we say we had an encounter with God in the middle of our practice? And then the third one is sustainable. And I think every single one of us relative to our own situations know what we can handle and what feels sustainable for the foreseeable future. And I think we need to take a little extra time as we're trying to establish spiritual practices or rhythms that we hope are restorative, I think we need to take a little bit of time to say, okay, not only do I know what I'm going to show up in and what kind of substantial hope I have in it, but thirdly, what can I do that I can continue with no real end date in sight? Like, what can I see myself practicing in a way that feels sustainable? And then from that, I think each one of us have different practices that maybe we're more drawn toward and maybe even feel more acutely important in specific seasons. For me, one that's really important is being able to be outside and active with my body so that I can experience that time of connection with God that is uninterrupted and gives me a little bit of isolation to be able to express what I'm feeling and thinking, but also to listen. Another one and a big one for me has been and continues to be reading and study. And really, honestly, one of 
the most exciting things about being a part of this conversation is one of the most important books in my life. And anyone who knows me well will say it's the Jesus Storybook Bible. And it continues to be that in my life on a weekly basis. And the reason for that is the simplicity and the centrality of Jesus in the story. And I think for me, that has become essential when it comes to everyday life, finding those simple places where I can identify where the Lord is at work so I can join him in his work. I have said many times, both from behind a pulpit in conversations over coffee and different teaching settings, that my favorite book on planet earth is the Jesus storybook Bible. And it feels funny to say it here because it almost is like, oh, okay, well, you're saying that now because you're here. But my wife can attest to this fact. And the way I found the Jesus storybook Bible was before I'd ever even had children. My heart has always been drawn in my life pursuing Jesus toward identifying the places where he is the star of the show and trying to get to the center of my faith reality with him holding my focus. And so the books that I read and the things that I experience, I always am trying to run it through that filter. And I remember during the season of time when I was walking through a difficult season, there was someone who shared with me a passage from the Jesus Storybook Bible and in there sharing these words, it wasn't attributed to any specific place. But when they said them, I just thought, man, that was the most beautiful and simple way to express who Jesus is in this situation. And they said, oh, well, it's in this book, the Jesus Storybook Bible. And immediately I went to get one. And I remember just not being able to put it down. And my kids are both really drawn to the ideas. And I'm very thankful for that because I knew how special it was to me. And when we started having children, I was really hopeful that that would be the case for them. And so we have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. And our eight-year-old has grown greatly affectionate toward the Jesus Storybook Bible and would himself pick it up and, and check it out. And that makes me really excited. And I think what's really cool for me is seeing my kids take to it, but I've recommended it to so many adults and, and to hear from so many adults that it provided for them a pathway of clarity to understand Jesus in a new way as well is really exciting too. I'm going to be reading from a passage called God's Wonderful Surprise, and it is a telling of the story when Jesus has been raised from the tomb, and we see the response. And I'm going to pick up where Mary is moving from the scene and headed to the city. It says, Mary ran and ran all the way to the city. She had never run so fast or so far in all her life. She felt she could have run forever. She didn't even feel like her feet touched the ground. The sun seemed to be dancing and gleaming and bounding across the sky, racing with her and shining brighter than she could ever remember in the clear, fresh air. And it seemed to her that that morning as she ran, almost as if the whole world had been made anew, almost as if the whole world was singing for joy, the trees, tiny sounds in the grass, the birds, her heart. Was God really making everything sad come untrue? Was he making even death come untrue? She couldn't wait to tell Jesus' friends. They won't believe it, she laughed. She was right, of course. 
I think that passage symbolizes so much about what I love about the Jesus Storybook Bible. It was a recapturing of what is such a meaningful story in my faith journey and just the reality of what it means to find salvation. But even practically connected to this book, I think that is one of my favorite examples of the beautiful, descriptive, yet simple and compelling writing that Sally brings forward in this work. And that passage just ultimately capsulizes so much of why I think it's important for us to, even in our regular study rhythms, incorporate this book into the way that we consume the scriptures because it just provides a spin and a perspective on these very familiar stories that ultimately help us to connect to them in deeper and more meaningful ways. You can get the Jesus Storybook Bible wherever books are sold. To find out more about the book and all of Sally's other books, please visit Sally at sallylloyd-jones.com and follow her on Instagram at sallylloydjones and at Jesus underscore storybook underscore Bible. Before we go, don't forget, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Oh, hello, it's me again, Sally. I'm just popping back briefly to say two things. The first thing is, don't forget to subscribe to the show because that way you'll get the stories straight to your phone. And the other thing is, while we're at it, would you rate the show and leave us a review? That would be so great because it helps other people find the show too. I really appreciate your help. Thank you.